We're back, we're back, we're back. Welcome back to another episode of the Logan Blackman Show on this beautiful, at least I hope it's beautiful, because it's not technically Monday yet, edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Very excited to be here. Against my better judgment, I guess I am doing a show today. Logan, why is this against your better judgment to do a show? Well, because I'm freaking tired. Okay, this weekend was not dedicated to sleep for yours, truly. This weekend was one where Logan got very little sleep and just... It ran his body ragged without really trying to, without no, there was no goal to do this. There was no like, oh, Logan, I'm going to have a huge, super busy week. And this is Logan talking to himself of just busy. We're just going to be working on a lot of stuff, be super busy. No, 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 no. So we'll start off on Friday. Friday, I'm at my friend's Preston's house. He just moved house. So me and another friend went over to see the new digs. Got back to my house around two, woke up the next morning around six, 630, because I'm getting a call from my work phone and have to answer that. And then I'll go back to bed. I was like, okay, that's a one-off phone call answer. I'll just go to back to bed as expected. Then I get one about a half hour later, try to do the same thing, answer it, talk, go back to, I'm going to go again, I'm going back to bed. And then it didn't happen. It did not happen. And then you do it throughout the day. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that does this of, oh, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. I'm going to take a nap during the day. Nope. And I don't know why I even say that to myself. I'm one per I'm I am a person that has never been able to take naps during the day. I'm awful at taking naps during the day. I'm miserable at it. I don't know if it's just because I can't or just because I don't want to or my brain doesn't want to. I don't know. I've never been able to do that. Unless I'm sick or recovering from something, I never take naps during the day. But yeah, I told myself that. And then I also told myself, and I'm sure a lot of you out there have had the same problem as well. May if not. I apologize of, oh, you're going to go bed early tonight. Yeah, sure, we got no sleep last night, but you're going to go to bed early tonight, so it's fine. Yeah, we went to bed early last night. We didn't fall asleep until about midnight. I, it's just so bad. And then today, going to Sunday, okay, got a decent amount of sleep today. And then I had a game of golf set up with a couple of friends from William Penn. And uh, golf is tiring. I know it doesn't look like much on TV, and it's not a very most exciting sport to watch, but as we were golfing today, and I've never once said or once thought golf is easy, it's just not very fun to watch. It's fun to play with when you're with, you're with friends, but it's hard. It's very hard, and it takes a long-ass time to get done. Very long time. But as we're golfing today, I'm sitting there going, man, the sports that look the easiest and take the least amount of, like, athletic ability to a certain extent. I'm not saying golf and baseball are non-athletic sports, but on the base of it, you're like, okay, you're just hitting a ball and you're running bases and you're only moving really in the field if the ball gets hit to you, especially if you're in the outfield. It doesn't look like it takes that much, does it? And then you do it. It's like, wow, this might be one of the hardest sports ever. I can't hit a ball worth shit. And this is the first time I played golf about three times, maybe twice, maybe three times before this golf outing. So I knew I wasn't going to be great, but I had never once played all 18 holes. Not only have I never played all 18 holes, I've never kept score in an actual golf game. Usually when I go to the golf course, we're walking on to the par three and we're just shooting shit and just not saying anything. We're just having a fun time. We're going closest ball. That's where everybody drops it. That's usually how it goes. You don't keep score because we're all suck at golf. We're all terrible at golf. But today we actually kept score. 
We went to Willow Creek Golf Course. I don't know if any of you have been out there today, or out there today. Been out there, but it's a pretty nice course. Pretty nice course. Some challenging parts of the course. So maybe challenging, not challenging for some of you out there, but for me, pretty challenging. And I shot my parents a text. They, I've rarely, like I said, I might have gone three times before today. I know twice I might have gone one other time before that. But I don't, I don't golf, obviously. And I should have texted my parents say, hey, we just finished the first nine holes. It was about, I mean, I raised it up a little bit. It was about a par 35. Par was about 35 on the de- on the first nine holes. I said 36, so it's just like four times nine, 36 makes it easy. My dad said like 42. I don't have the text in front of me. I should probably have my phone over here, but it said like 42. And I said, I would like to remind you, I haven't played in about three years. Or I've played about three games my entire life. And actually, it has been probably two to three years. And he goes, 51? Question mark? Laughing, crying emoji. I'm like, good lord. I'm not even responding to that. I'm not even dignifying that with a response. Because your boy was at 62 at that time. I finished on the day with 126. Miserable day. For me. Or not miserable. I had a blast of a day. But I'm miserable at golf. This is exactly why. I never keep score. Now, I can putt perfectly fine. You take me to a mini golf course, I'll be one of the best mini golfers out there. I might get a couple hole-in-ones during the day. If I'm I'm feeling frisky, I might get all of them hole-in-ones, just if I feel like it. So if you ever go mini golf with me and I don't get all holes-in-ones, it's because I don't feel like getting a hole-in-one on that day. But good lord. Obviously, I came in last. Not very surprising fact to me, and shouldn't be a very surprising fact to any of you out there. But man, I am tired. We started, our tee time was at 1.15. We turned in the carts. We turned in the cart keys, got everything out of the cart at 6.15. It was a five-hour outing. And that doesn't even count the time before when we were at the golf course. Got there about 12.30. And then, oh my God, I'm, I'm a little sunburnt. Not terrible, but I am sunburnt. The people I was with also sunburned as well. To a certain extent, not varying levels of sunburn, I guess. Because some people look like they're sunburned a lot worse than what they are. That is the example of me. Like, and the, on the golf course, I looked about as red as the Blackhawks sweater. The home sweater of the Blackhawks. But once I took a shower, I kind of cooled off. Now I'm not that bad. But I am red. I am red. Not atrociously red. Not, not offensively red. Okay? But man... I am tired. And then the cup top on that, with the fact that I just golfed five hours and walked about 8,500 steps, which I looked at my health thing on my phone. Good Lord. You remember last Friday when I was talking about how I'm out of shape and everything? Last Wednesday, I had 400 and something steps, like 481 steps. 400 This isn't 4,800. No. 400. I don't know what I was doing on Wednesday. If I was just being a lazy sack of shit. I don't know what Wednesday was all about. But I was uh, basically a useless life form at that point. My presence on earth couldn't have been less meaningful than that day. I don't know what I was doing that day. I don't even really remember when it went on Wednesday. Because I did the show... I record Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. I don't know why I did the order like that. So I didn't do anything Wednesday. 
Like, I, I don't know what happened that day. I remember... I don't know what I was doing. I, I, don't, I don't remember. <laughs> Depressing. Uh, I could have just been dead for all my phone knows. Like, geez, you have not moved around at all today. Wow, man. But coupling that, the golf outing, and this really tiresome week in regards to getting absolutely no sleep whatsoever, was the United States versus Jamaica game. It finally is over. We're about 11 minutes after the United States-Jamaica game just ended. United States won an 83rd minute header by Matthew Hoppy, who, in my opinion, based off the performance, which wasn't a very... It was another not very exciting performance, but one thing that you could say about this team as opposed to like the teams under the second outing of Bruce Arena, Bob Bradley, those teams, they have fight. This team fights. You get a lot more physical outings in these games. The Mexico game is the prime example of that, but even against Jamaica tonight, it got physical, and that's what you like to see. This team has a heart. This team fights for things, which is something you never really saw under the old teams. You never saw... 83rd, that often, 83rd minute winners. Now, obviously, you have Landon Donovan against Algeria. There are exceptions to the rule, but usually they're giving up the late goals instead of scoring the late goals. Pulisic's late penalty, Horvat's penalty save. You don't have that, the chippiness between those teams. Jamaica was physical with the United States today, and the United States rose to the challenge. Now, again, not a very exciting performance. Not very exciting outside of that. Not a lot of shots on goal. And based on the shots the goal you have to give and the goal he scored, Matthew Hoppy is the man of the match today for the United States. In my opinion, he was the most lively player. I guess you could argue like Kellen Acosta or something like that. Maybe. But looking at the rest of the team, like Acosta had a really nice shot that went over the bar. He was all over the field today. But Hoppy, much like Kellen Acosta, covered a lot of ground, took a lot of very nice shots, and then obviously scored the game winner. Now, I told this to my friend Noah who's watching the game with me, that Andre Blake should have realistically had that ball. There's, I'm not taking anything away from the goal. A goal is a goal. No matter how you look at it, it could be the easiest tap in the world, or it could be a half-liner, or the the goalie could have scored. Either way, they all count the exact same. So regardless if Andre Blake messed up or not, which in my opinion he did, he should have had that, and a goalie for his standard and how good of a tournament he has had... I expect Andre Blake to get that goal, get that ball, but he didn't, and Matthew Hoppy took advantage of that and just put it in the back of the net. In regards to the rest of the stats for the United States to make a game, the United States, stat-wise, especially in possession, played better. 67.1% possessions to make us 32.9. They had more shots. They had more block shots. They had a lot more total passes. They had a higher pass accuracy. They had more crosses. Jamaica had more offsides than them. Like, the United States, though it was close at times, like possession, I don't know. It was a very physical game that the United States should have won. And on the face of it, if you've never watched Jamaica play or watched the Gold Cup in general, you probably look at this going, wow, this was a stupid performance. How did the United States only beat Jamaica by one? And it's very easy to do that. When you look at the size, like Jamaica or the United States and Mexico, They should never lose a game in this tournament, ever. But it happens sometimes. And even though I'm saying this, the United States and Mexico should never lose a tournament. That's not saying there is never a hard game in this tournament. Jamaica is a lot tougher opponent for the United States than Costa Rica is. I thought Jamaica would beat Costa Rica, but they rested a lot of their players. 
and Costa Rica ended up taking advantage of that. Now, I thought Jamaica was just resting Leon Bailey. It turns out, they said this on the broadcast, he has a toe, fe- toe thing messing up. He broke his toe earlier in the season, missed the last month of the season for Bayer Leverkusen, was healthy enough to make the squad as played times this tournament, but didn't play against Costa Rica, and then didn't even come on as a sub against the United States, which is weird, so you expect that toe injury to be very serious, as Jamaica's best player, on-field player, did not play a single minute in the last, the two quarter, the two most important games of the tournament for Jamaica did not play. But hey, United States won. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. There were some scares at the end of the game for the United States. Jamaica had a lot of nice shots on goal, nice cha- a lot of chances towards the end. Like Andre Blake had a shot or had a header instead of heading the ball. Really caught a lot of Miles Robinson's head. <laughs> There was a free kick that came in from Kamar Lawrence, and uh, who was it? Nicholson had a chance to get it, missed it. That's like a t- an inch or so away from hitting the ball, and I told Noah this, that that was one of those crosses that was, if you just touch it, it goes in the back of the net. All you need to do is get some form of contact on it, and it'll redirect the ball, and that goes in the back of the net, i.e., uh, Nicholas Giacchini's goal against Martinique. Busio crossed the ball into the box, Giacchini ran into the ball. He didn't even take a shot. If you watch the highlight, he just kind of threw his body at the goal, at the ball. But it went in the back of the net nonetheless. But again, the United States comes out victors 1-0 over Jamaica by, again, a Matthew Hoppy header. And going to the start of the game, right before the game even started, the lineup was a very fun lineup. It surprised me a little bit the kind of lineup he threw out there in this game, but I liked it. He went back to the 4-3-3, Hoppy played on the wing. Paul Ariola was healthy enough to start this game and was the captain. I like to see Paul Ariola back. I'm, I was nervous about his injury going into this game, so I didn't put him in the starting lineup. Did mention him a little bit in the video that I did in this preview for the Jamaica game, but I didn't actually think he was going to start. I threw it out there as a possibility. Didn't think it would happen. It did. And then with the back four, he didn't play Donovan Pines, who I've heard through the end of the broadcast that he was taken out didn't even dress Due to precautionary reasons, I don't know what the precaution is. Every time I've looked it up, nothing has really popped up. So if you can find that for me, I would greatly appreciate it because I have no idea what went on with Donathan Pines. But you saw James Sands and Miles Robinson center back. Uh, Sands had a couple issues tonight, but Miles Robinson rectified them. Had some very nice tackles in this game. He'd be a runner for the man of the match as well. He had a very nice game. And in the midfield, they switched it up a little bit. Where in the past few games, Busio has been playing as that middle, in the middle of those midfield three. This time he's playing more off the right, with Kellen Acosta running in as the six, and which I liked. I liked seeing that. Acosta had himself, like we said, a nice game. Was all over the field, had a really nice shot, created some chances. But yeah, that I didn't really need to bring up the lineup, but I did just because it kind of surprised me with how what the team was. But on this next game for the United States, they'll be taking on Qatar, which is you know, big-time CONCACAF team, Qatar. They beat El Salvador 3-2. They're up 3-0. El Salvador comes back with two quick goals, but not enough to actually win the game. And then Mexico, unsurprisingly, can you believe they beat Honduras 3-0? Maybe the, the score line, maybe that might be surprising, but Mexico beating Honduras should not be surprising. And then Canada beat Costa Rica 2-0. So in the semifinals, we had the United States taking on Qatar and Mexico taking on Canada. 
So we have the three biggest teams in CONCACAF versus the World Cup hosts. Seems too perfect, doesn't it? <laughs> but yeah, Qatar's played very well this tournament. They came on top of their group in Group D, finishing on seven points, nine goals scored in their group stage, three against Panama, four against Granada, and two against Honduras. But yeah, they're a good team. I'm actually kind of surprised and pleasantly surprised how good they've been this tournament. Now, they haven't had a bunch of world beaters in their team, but much like the Jamaica game, if the United States is not careful, they might lose. They play on Thursday. That game's going to be fun. It's in Austin. And then you got Mexico taking on Canada after that in Houston. But man, the way Qatar's been playing this tournament and how the United States has played in regards to, like, they're not playing that great. They're getting results. Like against Canada, they got the result. Against Jamaica, they got the result. Physical game, they played with a lot of heart in the game. They fought back. But they're not playing amazing. Qatar took the foot off the gas against El Salvador and almost lost the game. So, yeah, fun game. Fun game. I'm excited to see what happens in that one. But overall, United States, good win over Jamaica. Good, good win over a good Jamaican team. But yeah, let's go U.S. Let's take on Qatar. Let's take on, let's beat Qatar in Austin and go meet up against, realistically, if it's not Mexico, I'll be absolutely shocked. Meet up against Mexico and Las Vegas for the CONCAC Gold Cup Final. Yes, let's go. And I want to I wanna keep this a little shorter show today. My head is killing me right now. So I'm going to try to keep this around a half hour, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to end the show without mentioning the whole Big 12 <laughs> thing i don't know what the hell is going on in the big 12 but good lord and the sec in general i saw something that the sec is trying to lure like 30 teams to create like a super conference i don't know what's going on with that we're just having the super league all over again but it's in the united states only now and i saw this on friday it was from kirk bowles who said the sec is currently hoping to vote vote to offer invitation to Texas and Oklahoma as soon as, quote, sometime next week. An SEC source tells me, quote, the vote will be 13 to 1. Wow, I wonder who that one vote is. It couldn't be the only team in the SEC that's in Texas, could it? Maybe it's Arkansas. Maybe it's them. Texarkana. Maybe they don't like them. Maybe it's someone completely random like Vanderbilt doesn't want Texas in here. I don't know. I don't think people have mostly a problem with Oklahoma joining. Even though they get the shit rocked out of them every single time they take on a SEC team, or just any team in general, in the college football playoff, people mostly have a problem with Texas. Because Texas, they feel like that self-entitled brat. What the hell do they have any reason to go to the SEC? And I know like the counter-argument is what kind of structure, what kind of things led Missouri and Texas A&M into the SEC. That didn't make sense either. But this is weird. This is a lot weirder than back then, especially just because of how fast this has come up. Like, we knew Missouri and Texas A&M were leaving. Texas has just announced or pretty much said, yeah, we're going to the SEC. What? Excuse me? You're leaving? What are you talking about going to the SEC? Texas. You don't deserve to be anywhere near the SEC. We talked about this on Friday. If you're below Texas in the Big 12 standings, you are bad. Simple as that. You are bad. Texas is not good. 
Texas is the Michigan of the South. Big brand, a lot of fans, completely overhyped. All hype. No idea what Texas is going to be this year. If they go to the SEC, I heard this the other day. I heard this today again. They are going to be the Nebraska of the SEC. A big-time program that's leaving a conference they should have never left and underachieve immensely because the conference you're going into is better than the one you're currently playing in. Nebraska is not even sniffing a bowl game, let alone a national championship. Same thing, Texas is barely in bowl game category, and they'll be doing the same thing as Nebraska in the SEC. Who are you going to try and beat in recruiting in the SEC? The teams you are playing are going to be recruiting against you. That's how recruiting works. You go up against teams you play and go, oh, you don't want to go there. They suck ass. That's kind of your whole thing. Are you going to out-recruit Bama, LSU, Georgia, Auburn, Florida? Am I missing anybody? Georgia, Auburn, Florida, Florida, Alabama. I keep, I feel like I'm deleting teams. But either way, like Mississippi, Mississippi State. Are you going to be able to out-recruit Texas A&M? Who knows? I don't know how they're going to recruit these. It's easier to recruit against TCU, Baylor, and Kansas than it is to versus Alabama, LSU, and Florida, and then Auburn and Georgia. Like, sure, Iowa State's good now, but this has been like a three- or four-year window. This hasn't been something that's been, oh, the Iowa Texas always has to compete against Iowa State. Texas can never compete against Iowa State in recruiting. That's what it's turned into now. If you can't compete with Iowa State in recruiting, and I'm trying to say this with no disrespect to Iowa State, which is always followed by something disrespectful, like you'll never, you should never be recruiting out on par with Texas. You're not gonna, you're gonna do a lot worse in the SEC. I think more people now in this past week, and it, again, Oklahoma is involved in this too. But Oklahoma is a little bit, <laughs> their leg is a little stronger to stand on than Texas because they've actually been good in the last 10 years. Texas won a national championship in 2005. The last one before that was in the 70s. They've won five national championships and actually like their Alabama won five in like the past 10 years. You're not on that level, Texas. We can respect Oklahoma leaving because they've won the Big 12 and been pretty unchallenged in the Big 12 for the last 10 years. They've been the only Big 12 participant in the college football playoff. Some would argue that Baylor and TCU were robbed in that first year of the college football playoff, but that's neither here nor there. They didn't make it. But Texas, (laughs) you have this and the recent thing from the Big 12 Media Day about horns down. There's so many people that just dislike Texas now. That could have cared less if Texas even existed, but now all this is out. I am one of those people. I could have cared less if Texas even existed, yet now... I have this disdain for Texas. I like Colt McCoy. I like college Vince Young. But what the hell? Where did this self-entitlement come from? Yeah, Matthew McConaughey is pretty cool. Awesome. Uh, did Nebraska do the same thing with Larry McCon- Labor the- Larry the Cable Guy? I know they're on different levels, but I <laughs> that was the first celebrity fan of a team I could think of. But man... Texas and the SEC, they have no business even mentioning the SEC. The last bit, we've already talked about DBU, but remember when they lost to Maryland? Remember that? That was like two years ago. They they don't compete with the SEC. You can recruit against Big 12 schools. 
You cannot recruit against SEC schools. That will not happen. Not in a million years. <laughs> you will not recruit against SEC schools. Oh, my goodness. And I saw this tweet. or Yeah, it was a screenshot of a tweet on Instagram. That's how Instagram usually works. You see a screenshot from Twitter, and it gets a ton of likes on Instagram. It blows up. It was the future of college football. And the SEC consisted of, in the SEC West, you had Texas, Ole Miss, LSU, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Missouri. It's a very weak side of the SEC, when the other side consists of Florida, Georgia, Alabama, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Auburn, Tennessee, and Kentucky. It's a little lopsided. I think that the <laughs> Auburn, Florida, Alabama, and Georgia, those top four are a little better than what? LSU, Oklahoma, then the rest of them you can kind of throw up. I don't really care. It would be just be a contest between LSU and Oklahoma to see who wins that side of the bracket. And then in the other conferences, you got the ACC. You have pretty much the same thing, except you have Notre Dame joining this time, pretty similar to what they do now. In the Big Ten, you have Iowa State and Kansas joining. The Big 12 <laughs> is kind of a mess. You have Colorado State, Air Force, Tulsa, Wyoming, Cincinnati, Memphis, Houston, South Florida, UCF, SMU, Louisiana Tech, Rice, and North Texas. So the only teams in this version of the Big 12 that are currently in the Big 12 are Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and Baylor. And then the Pac-12, all pretty much the same except you've added Texas Tech and BYU. Every, and Boise State. So you've added those teams. And TCU. I was like, wait, that doesn't add up. There's 12 teams in the Pac-12 now. So it's the... The Pac-16, the SEC, the ACC, the Big Twi- Big 16, and the Big the Big 16. So there's two Big 16s. <laughs> the Big 10 and the Big 12 are both the Big 16s. Good Lord. Oklahoma and Texas have right, slightly screwed up college football right now. If this whole super conference thing is real, which I'm hoping it's not, the SEC holds itself to a very high standard. They're very... They're considered the best conference of college football. CBS literally has an ad, the best network for the best conference. It's been that way for a long time. Sure, you could get the quote-unquote best teams, but no one cares that conference. Anymore. How are you going to do a conference championship? How are you going to do all of this kind of garbage now? Are you just going to have the five conferences now? Are you going to do away with the AAC? Which, interestingly enough, with the AAC, uh, they are... Looking, wait, no, that's the diff- That's a different one. Ah, oh, it didn't save. It didn't save. Well, the AAC, AAC is trying to look at, like, Texas Tech and some of the other teams in the Big 12 because of their relationship with ESPN. I had the quote screenshotted. I thought the tweet would transition over to my computer, but, again, I don't have my phone. I probably should have had my phone with me the entire time, but sadly I don't. We live and we learn, right? But, man... The SEC has been in serious contact with Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, and Florida State. Not clear if this will materialize, but they have their eyes on a true 20-team mega conference. OU and Texas just to start. Similarly to Texas, Michigan, Florida State, F off. Florida State hasn't been good in a while now. And Michigan has an even longer time. Like, why are these teams mentioned in this conference? Just because they're bigger brands. Michigan stinks, Florida State is awful, and Texas stinks. Why are these teams getting linked with quote-unquote best conference in college football? Why? Clemson, Ohio State, sure. 
why why do these bigger I well I'm answering the question that's in the question. It's very odd. Like why are Michigan, Florida State, and Texas in this conference? Because they're Michigan, Florida State, and Texas. It doesn't make a lot of sense, like when you say it like that, but it's just because of their names. It's not because of actually what they produce on the field. It's because of their names. Texas, Michigan, Florida State. When you hear those names, you think of great 20th century football. <laughs> not great 21st century. I mean, Florida State's won a natty, played well at times. There are also times where they just completely average. They won a natty. They were involved in the college football playoff, but... A lot of the times, it's been a lot of 7-5, and 8-5 and five season with like Drew Weatherford, Christian Ponder, EJ Manuel. And then you had like Chris Winkie, obviously winning a natty against Michael Vick. But you had a lot of average there. Michigan hasn't won a natty since Charles Woodson. And then Texas, last one was in 2005. And the one last before that was in the 70s. So why are these guys getting linked with these kind of moves that haven't been good recently? I don't, I don't get it. Cause you're trying to transfer over the rivalry too, aren't you? Like Texas gets reunited with A&M. Oklahoma gets reunited with A&M. You keep the Texas Oklahoma rivalry. Ohio state comes in. They're a very good team, but you keep the Michigan Ohio state rivalry going. Clemson doesn't really have a rival in the sec, but you are in the pet in the ACC but you reignite that rivalry more, make it more meaningful with South Carolina. And then Florida State's got Florida. So like you've got all these conferences or these teams that can remake their conferences. Jeez, I keep, they can make their rivalries even stronger. That's kind of the same thing with the Iowa State thing with Iowa State going to the Big Ten. It'd make the rivalry uh, mean a lot more because for years, it was a meaningless game. If Iowa won it, that meant absolutely nothing. And I think most smart Iowa State fans can agree with that. If Iowa beat Iowa State, it meant absolutely nothing because it was a game they were supposed to win. But if Iowa State beat Iowa, not only was that a great win for Iowa State, that was a damning indictment on how good Iowa was going to be that season. Iowa lost to Iowa State? They must be awful. The year they went, they when Brad Banks... Came second in the Heisman Trophy, and Iowa, Iowa got absolutely stomped by USC in the Orange Bowl. The one loss they had on their season was against Iowa State, prior to losing USC, obviously. But their one loss was to Iowa State. That season, they should have been playing Miami in the national championship game. That one game changed everybody's opinion. Not everybody's opinions, but it kept Iowa... Out of that game. They won the Big Ten. Jointly with Ohio State. But that Iowa State loss hurt them. If Iowa beat Iowa State. That didn't mean anything. But if you had a rivalry to a conference. To a game that recently meant nothing. To one side. Everything to the other. That makes it even better. That's awesome. Now you've got actual implications behind it. Which now... I'm going to compliment Iowa State now because I just kind of bashed them there for a little bit. It is starting to flip a little bit. Iowa State is getting better recruits than Iowa. Iowa State is more fun to watch than Iowa. Iowa State is more competitive in their conference than Iowa. So there, you have both sides of the coin there. 
But now you add the conference thing to it. Now, Kansas joining the Big Ten, I don't, whatever. That's more for basketball. Because the Big Ten is pretty much, most people agree on this, the best conference for college basketball. Kansas joins that. That's awesome. Football means absolutely nothing. Kansas could join the MAC for all we care in football. No one would bat an eye. I mean, Notre Dame's independent in football and in a conference for everything else. They're in two different conferences in different sports, uh, different sports in college. One's in the Big Ten. The rest of them are in the ACC. And then Notre Dame football is independent. So why couldn't Kansas football join the MAC, keep their basketball team in the Big 12 or Big Ten? Who knows? And, like, I, my friend asked me tonight who I would want to join the Big Ten, if anybody, like, or who I think would join the Big Ten. Like, Notre Dame is the obvious one. Everybody has said Notre Dame for years. Ask any Iowa fan, ask any Big Ten fan, they have always wanted Notre Dame. I don't know why Notre Dame refuses to be in a conference unless they're forced to, which is the only reason they were in a conference last year. But them in the Big Ten would be awesome. They don't fit in the ACC. Geographically, don't fit in the ACC. I know they're more Southern than Syracuse, but still, they're a Midwest team. They're not on the Atlantic. They're not near that. Kind of like Louisville as well, but I think they're in the AAC. Are they in the AAC or ACC? They're in the ACC, right? (laughs) I'm completely blanking now. My my brain is fried. I've had two shows back-to-back where my, my everything is messed up. My head hurts today. I'm super tired today. While Friday was the allergy show. We're like Michael Jordan. We got the flu game. No, we got the allergy show and the everything hurts and I'm tired show. <laughs> Good Lord. It's just been a downhill spiral from here, hasn't it? But yeah, the Big 12. What the hell is going on there? What the hell does Texas think they are? What the hell does Michigan and Florida State think they are? If the SEC, other than name, doesn't make sense to bring them in. So, yeah, I don't know what to do with this whole thing. And there's another thing I saw that the, that Oregon, UCLA, USC, and Colorado are all very interested in joining the Big Ten. Colorado makes the most sense. You can reignite that rivalry with the, with Nebraska. In my <laughs> NCAA football sim, I did put Notre Dame and Colorado in the Big Ten. So, that would be perfect because I already predicted this. When was this? This was 20... When the game came in 2012, so we got we've got years of this building. We knew this would happen just a lot later than what we were expecting. I think now I haven't played it in a while because it's not on my Xbox, my friend Stevens, and I haven't played it in a while. I don't know if Colorado is still in the Big Ten. I know I moved them around conferences like every other year because of how bad <laughs> they, we would just kill everybody in each conference. But yeah, Colorado makes a lot of sense, and then. This was on College Football Talks on Instagram, so I don't know where this quote is exactly from. So according, I guess according to Buckeye Scoop, I don't know how reputable of a source that is, but it says, where it gets interesting now, however, is the interest of some PAC schools, I don't like that, PAC-12 schools, who see the writing on the wall and desperately crawling for a spot in one of the mega conferences. So what does this mean? Well, it means Oregon, Colorado, UCLA, and USC are all very interested. Wait, what? That doesn't mean that. What? And have all made direct overtures to the Big Ten about membership. I don't know how that... Re- that sounds more like an opinion piece, doesn't it? So what does this mean? Well, this means Oregon, Colorado, UCLA, and USC are all very interested. Do we have... Are you going to quote a source here? 
or is this just from Buckeyes, BuckeyeScoop.com? All four of them are AAU members, so they're all competitive teams. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I've never really thought of AAU past high school, so I don't know if the, what that means. All have fine research credentials and more solid athletic programs. This would completely complete Delaney's dream of Big Ten football from coast to coast. Stay tuned as a lot will be breaking in the very near future. I don't think that means Oregon. I don't. That's an opinion. Well, what does this mean? Well, it means Oregon, Colorado, UCLA, and USC. Why are those four teams? Why not every team in the Pac-12? If I was to choose those ones, I think Oregon and Colorado make the most sense. UCLA and USC are not Big Ten-style teams in regards to whether they have to deal with. Oregon and Colorado are exactly that. Oregon's a little wetter, but Colorado gets cold. Nebraska and Colorado are in the same conference for years. Why aren't we linking Utah to a move to the Big Ten? Why is everybody not getting linked everywhere? If you're a big name, go to the SEC. If you're a cold-weather team that hard-nosed football, go to the Big Ten. If you're kind of good but kind of trash, go to the Big 12 and the Pac-12. I don't know what the hell is going on there either. So I I have no idea what's going on with any of this. I have not been told by anybody from what this is. And then there, finally, we'll end it on this pretty much because I'm, I'm tired and I want to go to bed. Jimbo's Fisher. This is a fake quote. It's more. It's a thing that says what they meant to say. This is what it says. You mean to tell me that Texas is somehow not happy with the situation they're in? That's weird because usually they're such a calm, reasonable, not overly sensitive fan base. I'm surprised they want to join, though. I mean, they're like the fourth best team in their own state and haven't won anything since the Bush administration. There ain't no Kansas in the SEC, and if you think Horns Down is offensive, by, <laughs> offensive buddy, just wait till you go to Death Valley. Yeah. Pretty much sums it up there, Jimbo. Wait till you go to Ames. I've already talked about this with the Marcus Smart thing with everybody everybody in the crowd flopping when his name got announced. Do you know how many horns down there's going to be in Ames, Iowa? Iowa State and Texas aren't even huge rivals, but do you know how petty Iowa State fans are? I don't think Texas is ready for this. And I mean that in a good way. That's not anything, like, terrible. Pettiness can be a good thing in this situation, like the Marcus Smart flop thing. Horns down thing, that is funny. I would very much appreciate if everybody in Jack Trice Stadium, when that game takes place, I don't know what this, the date is exactly, but when that date ta- when that game takes place, please do it. That'll be freaking awesome. So, yeah, that's what we got on the college football front. Right before we end, because I was looking at my camera roll and saw something that I completely forgot about that happened, the Cleveland Indians are now the Cleveland Guardians. Yes, it is officially official. The Guardians. I don't like it. <laughs> I think the issue, I completely understand the whole changing behind the Washington football team's name. Totally understand that. The name is not a great name. I think we can all agree on that. I think the real issue with the Indians logo or the then Indians logo was, or name, or the team and whatever, was the logo. If you moved the moved off of Chief Wahoo, which was a terrible logo, Looked like the Native Americans from Peter Pan, which is not a great representation. But if you got off that, I think everything else has been fine. I don't think the name was an issue. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not, I don't know, being naive to the situation, I guess. I don't know how offensive it is to some people out there. But the logo is really the thing that was the issue. The name wasn't. The Guardians is stupid. It's the same font. The new logo stinks with the G's with the, the wings. 
I'm intrigued to see what the Washington football team's new logo and name will be. That will be coming up shortly, I'm assuming, or coming up next year. But this one, why don't you just go with the Cleveland baseball team or the Cleveland Browns? I saw that on Twitter. It's like, just call yourself the Cleveland Browns or the the Cleveland football team. Like, don't even keep your name in your own sport. Or just go with the Cleveland baseball team. But the Guardians, I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm not a huge fan of it. The Guardians is a, I don't know. That feels very AAF to me or XFL because I was an XFL team. That feel does that have any cultural significance to the city of Cleveland? Like I like when teams have meanings behind their names that relate to the city they're in. Does Guardians have something to do with Cleveland that I'm just completely unaware of? Like the Jazz. I hate that it's in Utah, but in New Orleans it made a lot of sense. The Lakers in Los Angeles doesn't make any sense, but it made sense in Minneapolis. Does it have anything to do with your name, with your city? Like the Lakers and Jazz, at least they relocated, but they were lazy, too lazy to change their freaking names, which bothers me. Those are the two worst names in sports, just because of they don't make any sense for where they're at. But the Guardians. Is there not any other name you could have come up with that would have been better? Like there has to be some cultural thing in Cleveland that you could have named yourselves after. If Indians was something you really desperately wanted to move off of, or do a Washington football team delay a year and just name yourself the Cleveland baseball team. Washington football team has had drama about their name for years. And then they finally were like, okay, we're done. And they're like, Oh crap. We don't have anything. Oh, we're a football team, right? Yeah. Washington football team. That's what you should have done here. Okay. I don't know. That's just my opinion. I don't like the name, but you can, you can do whatever you want. They don't ask me what to name teams. I don't know anything about Cleveland really other than the Browns, then England Indians and Cavaliers play there. And they're pretty snake bitten in regards to success on the sport front. But hey, maybe that changes in the near future. Maybe the Guardians end the Cleveland team's sucking at all sports thing. I know the Cavaliers won an NBA Finals, but they're back to sucking. So who knows what the Guardians can do? I'm intrigued to see what their uniforms look like. If they keep the same stuff as their same uniforms and everything, just change the name. I don't know. With that being said, though, I'm going to sign off for today. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you didn't, I apologize for that. Go and follow me on all forms of social media. Go and follow the Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, and I will see you all later. Peace.